If you have a Bible, please turn to Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi. Malachi chapter 4. In fact, the very last words of the Old Testament, Malachi 4, verse 5 and 6. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Wow, amazing prophetic statement that ends the Old Testament in a sense declaring the first coming, but even more so declaring the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I will come again. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. The coming of the Lord is a certainty. And I guess in 2022, more than ever than we can ever realize, we're closer to that coming again. We're closer to that coming again. As you just turn on the news, Luke has already alluded to this. You know, you're almost reading the scriptures come alive. The biblical prophecy is being fulfilled day by day, moment by moment. Geographically, internationally, socially, and spiritually. <coughs> you know, globally, wow, earthquakes in diverse places. That includes tsunamis. The Bible declares describes it as the sea and the waves roaring. Wow, we're seeing that, you know, Tonga is seeing that at the moment, and even out as far as Honolulu and places and New Zealand, they're also aware of it. Wow, one of the signs of the times. Famines, pestilences. Have you heard of a virus that's going around called COVID-19? The Omicron virus. You know, we're going to learn the Greek alphabet very quickly. The way the variants are going, praise the Lord. Fires. You know, in Revelation, in chapter 8, it talks about a time when, a th in the tribulation, when a third of the world will be burned up. People might say, oh, that can't happen. I wouldn't be so sure as we look at the news and see what's happening. As fires are starting again in Australia right now, the temperature's over 50 in some parts. Wow, we're living in these end times globally. The earth is waxing old like a garment. It's wearing out. The Bible says that. Then internationally, wars and rumors of wars. Wow. We're seeing superpowers rising up. Russia. Saber rattling on the edges of uh, the Ukraine right now. China. Doing the same with Taiwan. These great superpowers. The Arab world. Iran getting inching closer and closer to nuclear weapons. Wow, what that's going to mean. And then Europe, together but not together. The, like the iron and clay, if you read the Daniel prophecies. Yes, it's there. And then right at the center of it all, little Israel. Wow, we're seeing it happen before our eyes. Socially, you know, things that 20, 30 years ago we would have said were abnormal, are now being called normal. In fact, I heard this week that Ofsted will 
reduce the rating of a school if it doesn't teach certain things now. Be, hey, you know, 20, 30 years ago, we said they're not normal. That's the world we're living in. Corruption and violence on the increase. So it could go on and on with all the immorality and everything else. That's socially, spiritually. To go, oh, must be a positive note here. But actually there is an interest in spiritual things as never before. But it's after the cults and the occult and all that kind of stuff. We're living in the end times. If we had time today, we could spend a whole week, two weeks, three weeks just studying scripture after scripture after scripture that says, yes, these things are happening. I've just highlighted a few of them this morning. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. But two signs I've not mentioned I want to really dwell on, the, the second more than the first. And that is in Matthew 24 and verse 14. Matthew 24 and verse 14. It says this, a great sign of the time. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. The gospel of the kingdom, the good news. The gospel is good news. There's no good news like the good news of Jesus. The fact that God, God's Son, left heaven's glory and came to this earth of ours. He died in our place upon a cross, taking the punishment of our sins. He died. He cried out, it is finished once for all time, for all people, for all sin. And then on the third day, rose from the dead. By faith in Him, by putting our trust in Him, we can be forgiven and have a relationship with God. Wow, that's good news. That's the gospel. It's the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom is the rule of God. And for us right now, it's the rule of God by the Spirit of God. God doesn't leave us on our own. God doesn't leave us as orphans to, to struggle our way through, through life as Christians. If we did, we'd just become religious. But no, He doesn't want us to be religious. We have a relationship. And he empowers us by his spirit. Praise the Lord. That's good news. God wants to bless us and wants to empower us and give us a life with purpose. That's the good news. That affects every part of our lives. And then kingdom is future too. Good news. There's a new heavens and a new earth. Yes, this old earth is waxing old like a garment. is getting thin and the ozone layers, everything else. And the ice... Things are melting, but hey, the good news is there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. Praise the Lord. This corruptible will put on incorruption. This mortal should put on immortality. How are we going to be in that place with him forever and ever? That's got to be good news. That's our gospel. That's the gospel of the kingdom, which will be preached to all nations. And then the end will come. Now, on that thought of all nations, again, perhaps... 40, 50 years ago, we said, well, yes, yeah, a great end time prophecy, but how's that going to happen? Yet here we are, right in 2022, when we have the, what's called the World Wide Web, you know, there's the internet. Wow, communication has never been so good. The impossible, we, what we thought was impossible, is now possible. 
every tribe, tongue, people, and nation can hear. If you don't believe me, just use just use YouTube if you want. You can just start listening. Not that I'm encouraging you to go become a buffet Christian and take a bit from here and a bit from there. No, don't do that. But you can go, you can listen to messages from right across the world. Hallelujah. Wow, it's in today's days. You know, I'm fascinated by that. Do you recognize that when Jesus came the first time? It says in Galatians 4 and verse 4, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law. Notice the words, in the fullness of time. God chose a moment for the first coming when communication and, and, and travel was, was easier than it ever been. Under the Romans, there were Roman roads. And you see evidence of those Roman roads even to today. Nice, straight roads. We could travel right across the, the, the Roman Empire. And, and just languages, Latin, Greek. Most people spoke those either one of those two languages. So to communicate and to share the good news. And God chose that moment. That was when Jesus came the first time. And that's why it fascinates him, because now we're at a time in history when communication has never been so good. When the ability to communicate with the ends of the earth. I don't know which kind of news program you watch. We tend to watch Sky News. Had, you know, and you get to think, Breaking news. And you read of some incident in some place in America or Japan or somewhere, and there it is on your screen the moment it's happening. Wow. The gospel of the kingdom has been preached. But not just that. The Bible says in the last days in the book of Daniel, there will be an increase in travel, people moving to and fro. And now we see the world right on our doorstep. People from the nations were even coming into the valleys and places like this because the houses are too dear in Cardiff. But it's happening. People from the nations. We saw that ourselves in Bristol. We set up an Indian church. You know, we began to learn words of a language called the Malayalam language. We'd never heard of that before. You know, Yesuvinti Just Wow. The world is on our doorstep. And as we reach people on our doorstep, we have this opportunity. And as we share with people, as they share them back with their relatives, back in their home countries, wow, the gospel is reaching the nations as never before. Jesus is coming. Let's see that. Let's see that today. But that's the one I want to really get to is, is the one we read at the beginning in Malachi chapter 4. Just read again Malachi and chapter 4. Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now, some might say, well, that prophecy surely was fulfilled with John the Baptist. You need to read, realize something about biblical prophecy. There's often an immediate fulfillment and then a more distant Bigger fulfillment. For example, a scripture we would have quoted at Christmas time, time unto you. Uh, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, and shall, you should call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah 7, 14. There is an immediate fulfillment about a, 
a young woman giving birth at that moment to fulfill something before the king of that day. But of course, we know that the, the bigger meaning of that prophecy, and the scripture tells us that in, in Matthew, the bigger meaning is, of course, when Jesus was born, Emmanuel, God with us. And I could take you through lots of examples like this, but there's, all, there's often this first meaning, but then there's a deeper meaning yet to come in the fulfillment of biblical prophecy. And this is one of them. Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. If you turn to Luke and chapter 1, we just look it out as first fulfilled with John the Baptist. We learn a few things about him. Luke chapter 1 and verse 13. The angel is speaking to Zacharias, that's to be John's father. The angel said to him, Luke 1.13, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you'll have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For you will be great in the sight of the Lord, and you'll drink neither wine nor strong drink. He'll also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he'll turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. Oh, I want you to notice those words. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Oh, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. The Lord wants heralds to declare his coming. We'll come back to that. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And so John, under normal circumstances, John the Baptist, would have, his father was a priest, he would have been trained in the priesthood and become a priest in the temple of Jerusalem. But God had other plans for John. And John goes into the wilderness. Down by the Dead Sea. It's thought that he joined a group called the Essens where, who were very keen on keeping yourself pure. Who had regular ritual washing. Who spent their time praying and Pouring over the scriptures and writing out the scriptures. It's down in that Dead Sea area of, of Israel that the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. And it's believed that those are the work of the essence people who were just writing out, writing out the scriptures. And it's interesting that one of the most frequently copied, the one with the most copies that they found in the Dead Sea Scrolls was the prophet Isaiah. The prophet that perhaps more than any other prophet speaks of the coming, the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who speaks of, of the one who will prepare the way, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight a path, a highway for our God. And it's that prophecy. And it's there that John was with these people. Regular purification, prayer, spending time in the scriptures, 
God was preparing his man for that time where John, the, the word of the Lord, it says, came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And John, it says in Luke chapter 3, emerges from the wilderness. And he begins to preach, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's within your grasp. Turn from your ways. There would have only been a few people initially, but then the news got out, and soon the whole of society, every strat of society, from the, the religious people, the, 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 the Pharisees, the Romans who were in control of the land, right to all the people, they came to hear the preaching of John the Baptist. Wow, what God can do through a man that's anointed, a man that's, 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 in the will of God and, and at, the, at the time of God is to spend time in purification and prayer and in the word. That's the person God used to send forth in the spirit and power of Elijah. Hallelujah. I believe as we come then to Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5, then we need to get ready for the second phase of, of what that's all about. In fact, in Matthew chapter uh, Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says, For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, verse 13, 14. And if you're willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. And the, the sense of the wording there is, yes, there's John, there's yet more to come. Yet more to come. I really believe God has been speaking to my heart and really reminding me afresh. Yes, these are the last days. But God, I'm looking for a people. I am looking for a people who move before me in the spirit and power of Elijah. I'm looking for, for a people who will prepare the way of the Lord. I am looking for people who will herald the coming of the Lord. And I felt that more than ever as we entered this new year. God says, I'm looking for that people. The time is short. It's not as long as you realize. Look at the signs. Look at what's happening. The Lord is coming. It's time to prepare the way of the Lord. The herald is coming. To let that good news be shared as never before in the spirit and power of Elijah. I believe that Joel, the prophet, was onto this as well. In Joel chapter 2, well-known scripture, it's also repeated in Acts chapter 2. In Joel chapter 2, it should come to pass afterward. That I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also my men servants and my maidservants. I will pour out my spirit in those days. I believe that's the same kind of thing that, that, that Joel is saying. God's going to pour out his spirit in your sons and your daughters and but everyone are going to prophesy. Now, I don't believe that for one moment means nice little charismatic groups that get in a huddle and, and give little pictures to each other and little words to each other and say, oh, we're prophesying. I believe it's far, far deeper than that kind of superficial, bless me kind of Christianity that this is speaking about. 
I believe it's speaking about a people who are anointed by God to go forth in their schools, their colleges, their communities, their workplaces, to go wherever you are, into government and locally and nationally, and begin to be speak forth the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. That's what Joel, I believe, is speaking about. People who are empowered by God who go forth in the spirit and power of Elijah to do just that. Praise the Lord. You say, well, what does it mean to move in the spirit and power of Elijah? Some of you remember that a message I preached from way back in my first years in ministry in part-time fright. I remember speaking at a national conference. I was asked to speak once in Butlins in the Gaiety Theater. Some of you remember that kind of thing. And the word that's it's burned on my heart right throughout my ministry is, is, is where are the Elijahs of God? When, when Elijah's taken up into heaven, the Elisha says, where is the God of Elijah? I really believe that if he's living today, he said, where are the Elijahs of God? Where are the Elijahs of God? What makes an Elijah of God? If we're going to be these people that move in the spirit and power of Elijah to herald the coming of Jesus, to prepare the way of the Lord, then what kind of people do we need to be? So, we haven't got a lot of time, but let's just examine that. You know, when I mention something like Elijah, you say, well, he was, you know, we put him on a pedestal and say, wow, he's one of those prophets, you know, in the book of Revelation, he's there with, we assume it's him and, 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 and Moses, who, you know, and, and, or, you know and, and, we, and he was there on Transfiguration Mountain, and we put him on that pedestal. But the Bible says of Elijah, what I love about it, what it says about him, is in James chapter 5 and verse 17, it says he was a man with like passions, just as us. That's got to be good news. Okay, it's gender specific. It says he's a man, but you can't help that. But you know, I don't know what the feminine version of Elijah would be. Elijah. Anyway, we won't go there. But you've got to get his cross gender. To his sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Anyway, it says in Joel 2. Hallelujah. And He's a man with like passions as we are. In 1 Kings 17, where he introduces him, he says he's a Tishbite from Gilead. There's nothing that's sort of what he was a son of a king or he was a son of a priest. No, just an ordinary kind of guy. And that's where we begin. We're ordinary kind of people. But he got burdened for his nation. And that's step number one. If you say, I want to make a difference. Uh, yes, I, I want to be part of this end time. Uh, People who prepare the way of the Lord. And then it begins with a burden. You know, it's so easy to go through life and just every day comes and goes. We do what we normally do, go through our routines, you know, and, and watch a bit of TV, and then it's another day and another day. And now we just, just get through life, do some shopping, do this, visit the family. But hey, God is calling people to stop and look. And it begins with a burden. You see, in Elijah's day, the king Ahab had married a wicked queen called Jezebel. She was a Baal worshiper. She was 
wicked and, and demonic and uh, evil and corrupt. And Baal worship began to take over the land and people began to forsake the worship of God, Jehovah, and began to worship Baal, the fertility god of Canaan. And with all that worship, there was all kinds of immorality and child sacrifice and human sacrifice and all kinds of things went on in the name of religion. It's just awful. And Elijah saw that. He says, I am. This can't be right. Do you feel that sometimes with all the things you hear? The things they say they want to teach our children in schools? In certain issues? I like to be more graphic, but we're, you know, we record it as we can. Do you feel burdened? Or do you think, oh, whatever will be, kesara, sarah, you know? Or I think, no. If no one else will, I will. God, here I am. That's where it begins. That's where it began for Elijah. And that's where it must begin for us. You hear about the goings on in number 10, all this stuff. You think, hey, corruption at the top. Hey, you can talk about it. But hey, it needs people who stop and say, I'm going to do something about it. And Elijah did. He stopped and he started to pray. That's the first step for all of us. Get burdened and pray. And Elijah stopped. He got burdened and he prayed. And I, I really believe as I studied the life of Elijah that I somehow feel he just prayed over the scriptures that were available to him. And he began to look at them and think, kind of, that's always a good thing to read the scriptures, pray all the scriptures. We said it already with John the Baptist, spending time in the Bible, in the Bible, in the Word, just praying all the scriptures. Not just, pray, just, not just reading them, but praying over them, asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you and, and to show you what's going on. And we're going to give you some spiritual insights, some heavenly insight into what's going on in the Bible and the days in which we live. So in Deuteronomy 11, verse 16 to 18, I'm sure Elijah came across this. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you and he shut up the heavens so there be no rain and the land yield no produce and you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. Therefore you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign in your hand and there should be as frontlets between your eyes. You know, I'm sure that, that maybe Elijah already knew those by heart. Many of the Jewish boys would have, and girls would have learned these kind of scriptures by heart. And he began to pray over that scripture. God, this is your word. Your word, the nation is turning from you, but this is your word. And he began to pray over the word. Wow, this is how you become an Elijah of God. His get burdened, begin to pray, pray over the word, let the word of the Lord come to you. God will give you a word for a situation. Begin to pray over that word and not let go. And not let go. And in fact, Elijah prayed over that word so much, it became part of him so much. The word just, you know, you probably heard me say it before, it's like what they call Blackpool Rock, you know, where you chop it, it says the same words in the middle. That's what Elijah was like. The word of the Lord, that's what he just lived, dreamt, ate, slept, whatever. Yeah, the word of the Lord. And 
And he went before King Ahab and said, shall not reign except at my word. That wasn't presumption. That was someone who was so burdened with the word of the Lord. And then he moved quickly now, but he proved God to himself, the cherith. He proved God to the ones and twos at Zarephath. And then he proved God to the nation. Now, before we get to the nation, I believe in becoming a lighter of God for all of us. We can begin to prove God for ourselves. We begin to cry upon God and see some answers to prayer by praying things through. You've got a week of prayer coming up, I know. That's great. Pray some issues through. Don't let go. Pray. Persist in prayer. Endure in prayer. Persevere in prayer. Proving God, the ones and twos. For many of us, becoming Elijah's of God, it might be that's as far as we get. Just speaking to our neighbors, speaking to people we work with, praying for them, ministering to them, sharing the good news with them, declaring the coming of the Lord to them. But for others, it will go on and we will begin to prove, maybe not the nation, but to larger groups and larger groups as we begin to have an influence as God uses us to make known his word in these days. What a thrill for Elijah. He proves God to the nation. You know that story, I'm sure, really well about the showdown of the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. You know, the God who answers by fire shall be God. He let them out first. He said, more of you, do you have first go? Make no mistake about this. The prophets of Baal, those demonic inspired prophets, they could cause fire. They weren't powerless. They were satanically empowered and they could create fire. But on that day, the man of God, the man of God's words, the man of prayer, we could say woman of prayer, woman of the word too, bound the powers of darkness. They, could have, they couldn't even get a spark. As much as they tried, they couldn't even get a spark until they were worn out trying. Of course, Elijah said, hey, maybe he's gone to sleep. You have to shout louder, wake him up. Maybe he's on holiday. It depends on which version he used. He said all kinds of things and he mocked them. But then comes Elijah's turn. And he rebuilds the altar of God. Lays on it the sacrifice. If that wasn't enough, he said, hey, we're going to drink a trench. Go and get some water. Water was precious, but they wanted to damp down. People were quick to damp down the things of God. They said, yeah, come on, we'll get water. They had to go down to the sea or wherever they had to go get water. They pour it on. They might as well pour petrol on because... Because when the time of evening sacrifice came, God and, and in 1 Kings 18, God, and Elijah cries out, God, I've done this according to your word. Now send the fire. And the Bible says the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, burned up the wood, licked up the water in the trenches. Wow. Nothing, nothing could stop God moving that day. Praise the Lord. Doesn't that excite you? You say, well, it's out of my league. No, you get there with a burden. You begin to pray. You get hold of the word of God. You begin to prove God to yourself. Prove God to ones and twos. You get there. 
Praise the Lord. Oh, God is calling out. Heralds, God is calling out. The Elijahs of God prepare the way. He goes and afterwards, after he kills the prophets of Baal, he goes back up on the mountain and he's back in prayer again. Praying. And, and it's, you know, he's sending his servant. And there's nothing much happening. The skies are blue. Once, twice, three, seven times. And then they see the cloud the size of a man's hand. And he says, yes, the rain's coming. Let's get out of here quick. Praise the Lord. Elijah's of God. A man like us. And God is looking for people like that in these days. Praise the Lord. The prophetic jigsaw is almost completed. The last pieces are being put in place. The Lord is coming. He says, I look for people who go before me in the spirit and power of Elijah who prepare the way of the Lord. Are you ready to be one of those people? Start small. Who knows where we'll grow to? But God's calling his people. Calling his people, like John the Baptist, to purity, to prepare ourselves, to spend time in his word. God is calling his people to go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. I tell you, our world needs that. Our world needs that. Amen? Let's pray together. Hallelujah. Wow, so many signs of the times being fulfilled. The two I wanted to bring to you today. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to all nations. And then the end will come. The gospel, the good news. Was anyone here or listening online? And you don't know Jesus Christ. And I say to you, it's time to surrender to him. The days are running out. Now is the time. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you. You died for me on the cross. I ask you to come into my heart and be my Lord and my Savior. Come by your spirit and empower me that I might live this Christian life in that readiness that day when you come again, I shall be with you forever. Just call upon him. Make him your savior. Then the second aspect we looked at. The Elijahs of God. God is calling forth his heralds. Let each one of us say, Lord, I will begin. I'm not asking you to get up on Carmel and call down fire. Yet, but I'm saying, let's begin with a burden. Let's begin with prayer. Let's begin with getting the word of the Lord for this day. And pray it into being. Begins there. We can all do that. Father God, help us to not just let life just pass by week by week, but help us to look at what's happening and begin to pray. Begin to seek your face. The 
Lord, we might each one play our part in preparing the way for the coming of the Lord. Amen.